Hello, everyone. My name is Doug Woodard, executive coach with Advisor Game Plan. Welcome to the Thriving Sports Podcast, our public podcast available to everyone. We do have two podcasts. Number one is a client-only private podcast called Thriving Coaches. And number two is this public podcast available to everyone. In this public podcast, in each episode, we'll be talking to a successful coach or leader about specific ways they enhanced their team's culture and player development, as well as many other valuable topics. And I'm Brian Willett, founder and CEO of Advisor Game Plan. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to sit back and learn from each of these episodes with these amazing coaches. Thank you for joining us as we dive deeper into these areas that can lift a team from average to good to great. We're fortunate today to be joined by Coach Fred Hoiberg, University of Nebraska men's basketball coach, former Iowa State great, I believe a 10-year NBA career, five years coached at, at Iowa State, four years coaching with the Bulls, post-Michael Jordan, which I'm sure he he's not as happy as he would have been if it was during Michael Jordan, but uh, four years as the NBA executive also with the Timberwolves. Deep ties here to the university. Dad or granddad, Jerry Bush, was a coach, I believe, for nine years here in Lincoln. And another grandfather, Otto uh, Hoiberg, was a history professor here. So obviously some deep ties and affection for the university. Welcome, coach. And thank you for taking some time out of your busy fall schedule just to talk some basketball. How has the fall gone, by the way, after what I hear was a pretty productive summer? Yeah, it, it's been great. And first of all, thanks for having me on, Coach. I've been an admirer of yours and, you know, just uh, everything that you accomplished in your career. I hope you're enjoying retirement. <laughs> I'm envious on certain days of what you've got going right now, but congrats on an awesome career. Thank and you. yeah, so it, it, it was a good summer. And the biggest thing that we had coming into this season was putting our roster together. When you lose Sam Greasel, when you lose Derek Walker, when you lose Emmanuel Bandamel, you're losing three really good leaders that helped us get the culture where we needed it to be a year ago. And we hit a lot of adversity last season. We had two season-ending injuries in January with Bandamel, with Jawan Gary. But because of everything that was established here early in the process, we were able to fight through that. And then you saw Jamarcus Lawrence and you saw Sam Hoiberg really step up, who didn't have big roles. And now all of a sudden, they're two of our more important players. And then Casey, what he did uh, those last couple months was re absolutely remarkable. He was third in the league in scoring about the last six weeks of the season behind Zach Eady and Trace Jackson Davis and just had an unbelievable year. So that was a big part of it as well as finding a way to get Casey to come back for his COVID year. And that, that was as big a move as any. He's as, as popular a player as certainly I've had, not only here, but you see him in opposing gyms. I mean, people are, I think are in a little bit of awe of Casey because you look at him and you say, how can this guy go out and, and score, you know, 30 plus points in a game? What he did internationally this summer, helping Japan beat a European team for the first time in the history of, uh, of FIBA competition and, and qualify for the Olympic Games. He was one of three high school players, or sorry, college players playing in the World Cup. Uh, so that was a big move for us. Uh, but we replaced uh, those guys I mentioned earlier with, with some really quality players, with Josiah Alec, who's from Lincoln, Lincoln North Star kid, really hard playing guy. That's, that's, what, uh, that's what he's made of. Rick Mast, 6'9", 240, can really shoot the ball. 
physical rebounder uh, from Holland. I'm really excited about Rink and what we can do with the floor spacing big. Uh, we run a spread offense, and you know Derek was a really good passer, led our team in assists a year ago. But what Rink can do for us with the ability to stretch the floor is get the big out of the lane and really open up cutting and driving lanes for our playmakers and slashers. Uh, Bryce Williams is another player that we got from Charlotte, averaged over 14 and shot over 40 from three a year ago, 6'8", can score at all three levels. And then getting Jerron Coleman late in the game when we did to give us depth in our backcourt uh, was a very important pickup for us. So I, I'm excited. Fall's going great. We've had some really good workouts. Uh, you got to be a little careful when you go on a foreign trip. We went to Spain this summer is the burnout factor. And you get 10 practices with no time restraint. So we had a good physical summer. So I'm a little careful right now. The first two weeks when we got them back was really teaching and getting them back and building their bodies back in the weight room. Now we're starting to compete a little bit. Next week, we're actually going to really start going live, getting ready for the official first practice, which is September 25th. That's awesome, Coach. And it's you're right. It's it's really a lot of fun uh, as well as kind of special to watch somebody like Casey, who looks like he should be at the downtown Y playing in the men's league. Uh, and he just tears the heart out of the Big Ten, a lot of Big Ten teams. Uh, really amazing uh, just from a size standpoint and not obviously the most physical specimen probably in the Big Ten, but boy, what a player he is. Yeah, he, you know, he, he, and if you had an opportunity to watch anything in the World Cup, and we posted some highlights uh, on our accounts, and just, I mean, his last game, he goes out in the first half, played eight minutes and scored 16 points, made all four of his threes, and, you know, played the same way. The thing that I think everybody loves about Casey certainly is what, what, uh, makes him fun to coach is just the amount of joy he goes out and plays the yeah. game with. He's always got a smile on his face. He's plays with great swagger and confidence and that stuff radiates to your team. When you have a guy like that, just flying around and, uh, and having fun on the court. So I think there was a lot of questions when he came in and, you know, I think one of the big publications uh, ranked him as a low major player just because he's not the most athletic, you know, the most remarkable stat with KSA last year, he was second in the Big Ten in two-point field goal percentage, ahead of Zach Eady, ahead of the uh, most of the bigs. And that shows how good of a cutter he is and how well he moves without the ball. And he, and he had great chemistry with Derek in that area to, to where he took advantage. Now you add the floor spacing with Rink. Josiah's had a history of being able to shoot the basketball from the perimeter. So that's going to open up, I think, even more cutting opportunities for KSA when you have bigs that have that gravity uh, to get the defense closer to them, to open up lanes to the basket. Well, and what what is, from a coaching standpoint, I think, especially a Nebraska, former Nebraska high school coach, uh, uh, what's exciting to see with Casey and, and, and Sam, you know what, you don't have to be this highly recruited, fit a certain profile type individual to succeed and be successful at a Power 5 level. And they, they've shown that if you're skilled, if you know how to play the game, if you'll move without the basketball, guard your position, do those things. As long as you have that skill basis, uh, there's a chance. And I would think that would encourage a lot of young kids and, and with those two players, especially. Yeah, I agree. I, I think those are a couple guys that you can really look up to. And Cale Jacobson's another one who's a you know, very well-known uh, local player. And, you know, Cale had an unbelievable summer for us. and He played all five positions. Uh, we played Madrid and we had a lot of injuries this summer. And really had eight available players. Kale started the game at the five for us and ended the game at the one. 
but I'll say, and to, you know, to build on what you said, Doug, the, the work that these guys put in, even when they're not in the rotation, to take advantage of an opportunity when it presents themselves, uh, when it presents itself. I certainly did that in my career. When I was in the NBA and I was out of the rotation, I worked as hard as anybody because I knew some point my name was going to be called. And if I took advantage of that, that was going to lead to more opportunity and a long career. So, you know, if you're out of a rotation, you can't sit over there and pout. You got to keep working, keep grinding, and eventually your name's going to get called. If you take advantage of it, like Sam did, like Jamarcus did last year, that's going to lead to more playing time and more opportunity and a longer career. Absolutely. Coach, one of the traits of our championship edge pyramid is is self-control, which we're going to define as the willingness and ability to demonstrate restraint of one's emotions and exercise sound judgment. Coach, I think from your playing days to your sideline demeanor to your interviews with the media, in my view, you've always exhibited that trait. Why is that important to you And why do you think it's an important team trait, self-control? And then I guess what advice would you give young coaches on developing this trait in themselves and their team? Well, we we do. We talk a lot about uh, controlling your emotions and we talk a lot about handling adversity the right way, which I think go hand in hand. And, you know, we try to put them in adverse situations in practice. I think that's number one is you have to put them in difficult uh, situations uh, in practice to find a way to fight through that. If you don't handle it right, then you get in and you talk about it and you, and you grow from it and you get better from it. And that's going to lead to uh, better control in games. And you may have a game where you lose that control. I think it's a great opportunity, whatever happens, or whatever the result is at the end of the game, you can learn from wins, you know, maybe more so from losses and, uh, you know, find a way to grow through those tough times. But not everybody has the same emotional control or emotional stability. I always tried to play under control, especially when I was in front of fans and in the public. Listen, I, my, when I was in Minnesota, our equipment manager said he also works with the Minnesota Twins in their clubhouse. He said I would have been a good pitcher because I could throw a tantrum, and, but I would do it behind closed doors. I never saw anybody. I never let people see me uh, you know, out there losing control of my emotions. So I would do it in the back, you know, where I, I would go in the locker room after, if I didn't play well more as a player, you know, I would, I would go in there and I would wreck some things. And that was just how I was, but that's a competitive nature, but don't ever let your opponent see it. Don't ever, you know, let you're always, and I always say this to our players as well. You are always being evaluated and, you know, you may be on the bench and uh, you know, a college coach is at your game. How are you interacting with your teammates? How do you handle coming out of a game when you're sub, when you're subbed out? What are you like in the pregame, in the, in the warmups? Are you just all about yourself or are you a big part of the team? You know, those things are always evaluated. What do you put on social media? Uh, every NBA franchise has somebody in their front office that monitors social media. And you don't want to do anything to take away any type of advantage uh, that you might get or, you know, uh, create a strike for you when they're trying to determine, you know, who they're going to pour millions of dollars into or, you know, are they going to give a scholarship to somebody that's pouting over the sidelines or doesn't handle their emotions the right way in the court or if things aren't going well for them and your team's winning? Uh, you know, I think it says a lot about you if you're not over there cheering for a teammate because you're not playing well. So I think all those things go into it. As a coach, you know, my recommendation to put him in as many adverse situations as possible, uh, especially in the preseason, in the early stages. And then you just got to find a way to grow through it. If everything's all, all rosy and the first time you hit that adversity is in a game, uh, you're probably not going to handle it very well. Awesome. Coach, another trait uh, we think is really necessary for an individual to master and certainly for a team to be successful is 
and, and you've already alluded to the fact that it, it kind of goes with uh, self-control's perseverance defined as a continued effort despite obstacles and difficulty to achieve an end. Obviously, you've personally modeled this both as a player through your heart surgery and 2005 to to the way you guys handled injury and disappointment last year with some really serious injuries throughout the course of the year, but culminated by winning six, I believe, of the last eight games and and finished with a very, at time, improbable 16 and 16 record. Um, the team managed to persevere and actually even thrive in a very adverse circumstance. I guess, number one, do you think this is becoming more difficult to cultivate in a team in society as it presently exists? And then what advices would you give to young coaches in their ability to develop a personal ability to persevere and then professionally for their team? Yeah, it's I always say this it's it's the single most important part of your season is is what will define your team is how they handle adversity and how you as as a group handle adversity. If you handle it the right way you're going to find a way to win more games than not. If you don't, and if you drop your heads when tough moments happen, that's all, all it takes is a couple minute stretch. And I talk about this with our team pretty much every day. And you still have instances in practice where things aren't going well. It's amazing when things are going well, how upbeat and guys are out there chest bumping and talk, the talk goes up when things are going well. And you play with that swagger and confidence that you have to have in order to be a successful team. And when things aren't going well, it's amazing how much that drops. And our message to our team is you have to over talk when things aren't going, when you're going through a, di- a dry stretch. And that was one thing I admired about our group a year ago, especially early in the season. If we weren't making shots, we still won games and you have to win ugly at times. And, you know, the ball wasn't going through the hoop. You have to continue to defend. You have to continue to rebound. And if you don't through that tough stretch, you're going to get buried. So, you know, those are things that we talk about that define what will define our season is how we handle adversity. And, you know, we had a group that did that last year. I, you know, I'll give an example of my playing days. When I played for the Timberwolves, my first year in Minnesota was 03-04. Kevin Garnett was the MVP. Sam Cassell was an all-star that year. Latrell Sprewell was unbelievable as a teammate. And if we were within two possessions with five minutes, we, we were going to win. We knew it. We were, knew we were going to win the game if we had that thing within a couple possessions. The next year, same team, had some things happen in the offseason. Coach Flip Saunders was let go in the middle of that year. It was almost the opposite happened. We couldn't win a close game with the same group. So that just shows you how important the mentality is. You have to have a belief in each other. Chemistry is very important uh, to fight through. Uh, those tough times. And again, our team last year, it was as fun a season as I've ever had in coaching because of how well that team handled adversity because we were not the most talented team out there and we were not the biggest team. Uh, But we found a way to stay together in those last five weeks of the season. We had the best record in the Big Ten Conference and that gave us momentum going into this offseason. And I think Josiah Alex saw the amount of fun Sam Griesel had coming home. Now it's about sustaining that through the entire season and hopefully being there in the postseason and doing something that's never been done in Nebraska. No, it was a joy. It was a joy to watch uh, a team come together like that in that circumstance. And it, it brings, there was a, uh, a great philosopher, 20th, 20th century, his name was Malcolm Muggeridge. And his, right before he, he was basically on his deathbed and and they were asking what he learned. And, and one of the things he said was he, he learned that you don't learn anything really in life except through pain and suffering. And yet it seems like sometimes as parents and as coaches, we try to rescue 
our kids or our players from adversity rather than embracing that that adversity, knowing that's really the only way they're going to learn. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, you know, you talked a little bit about my what ended my career was open heart surgery and I just had the best season in my, in my, in my life. I shot almost 50% from the three point line. I led the NBA three point shooting and found out after that season at 32, that I had a life threatening condition that had no symptoms. I had no, no warning factor. I found out through a routine life insurance exam that I basically had a ticking time bomb in my chest. So a couple of weeks later getting open heart surgery you know, it really kind of puts your life in perspective, I think, when you go through that type of difficulty. And, you know, I had four young kids at the time, six, five, and the twins were newborn. And, you know, to, to face that type of adversity and, you know, really mortality uh, at that age, it really kind, kind of put things in perspective for me of, you know, maybe those little things that I stress so much over aren't as important. You know, the the, the things with the family, you know, that may not have seemed uh, you know, so important became more important to me, you know, as far as my family and watching them, because you never know, you know, what the next day is going to hold for you. So, you know, that taught me a lot when I went through that first open heart surgery, planning on coming back and playing. I had a complication. I've developed a hundred percent heart block. I have a, a pacemaker that's on full time. Um, uh, it works a hundred percent of the time. It essentially be, uh, makes my heart beat. So, you know, those are things that I think kind of teach and taught me at that time what was important in my life. And, you know, as coaches, I think we have to prioritize some of those things. What is the most important thing that you're instilling into your group? I play a lot more now up and down than I used. I used to teach in the half court a lot more. Now we get up and down and then we play maybe through mistakes and then go back and watch it on film. So, you know, I, I guess the biggest thing, yeah, with the adversity, the tough times, you got to handle it right. And if I want to handle that right in my personal life, I don't know what would have happened to me. But had a great support system around me, uh, found a way to get through it, worked in the front office for uh, four years and then started the, the coaching career. So, yeah, it's it's those pivotal moments in your life, how you handle those obviously are very important. Well, Coach, again, I appreciate you taking some time today. And it's obvious University of Nebraska basketball is in, in really, really good hands. And uh, and we wish you just a, a great year. I won't say absent adversity. Number one, I don't think that's probably possible. But number two, uh, again, it, it, it's it's going to make you stronger. But but hopefully with nothing serious in terms of injuries and and um, hopefully you'll play with that joy that you ended the season with last year and just have a, a special year for Nebraska. Oh, I appreciate it, Coach. Great uh, great talking to you today. I, I said this at the beginning of last year. We had a really uh, hard-playing group of kids that I knew Nebraskans would appreciate. And, you know, I talked to our staff about those are the kind of guys we need to build our program with. So we've got another group like that. I'm excited uh, for the year, and, and hopefully we give our, our fans a lot of uh, exciting moments. Absolutely. Good luck, Coach. All right, thank you. We have free resources available on advisorgameplan.com. If you would like to gain access to our full version of client resources, please contact us today on advisorgameplan.com to explore becoming a client. Also, subscribe today to Thriving Sports and stay up to date with future episodes and more interviews with more coaches. Together, let's be thriving coaches that put the player first in all situations. See ya.